Amen. Well, we're starting a series today called Rebuilder. And, uh, you know, just like we at some point are going to build something, uh, we also need to be rebuilding some things in our world. Come on. Isn't that true? We, we, we've experienced all kinds of problems. We've experienced all kinds of problems in our relationships, all kinds of problems in our homes, and uh, all kinds of problems in, in uh, friendships. Come on. Marriages. We, we've experienced all kinds of challenges, even in our country, in our church, our systems. Everything has been affected by the season that we've been in. And this is what I know, that the Bible has many things to say about it. The Bible has many things to say about God rebuilding our lives, your lives, your friendships, your relationships, and the mission of God and the church. And so we're going to dive into a book that may, you, may, may, you may or may not have ever read. It's called Nehemiah. And so we're going to dig into Nehemiah over the next three weeks. And if you're wondering if Nehemiah has anything to say to you, I just want to tell you, yes. <laughs> Nehemiah has a lot to say to us, especially about rebuilding, especially about uh, how do we go about that and why do we do that? And, and, you know, and all the plans that God has for us that we can live into if we'll simply hear him and put into practice the things that he wants us to put into practice. And here's the thing that I know. Rebuilding takes effort. Yeah, I know that's, you're like, yeah, that's Captain Obvious. Thank you. Rebuilding takes effort. You don't just show up one day and be like, oh yeah, we did it. Right? It's, 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 everybody wants a harvest, but to bring in a harvest takes what? Work. Work. You, you don't get to just show up one day and be like, see? You get to work to bring about the change that needs to happen. So we need to just recognize that this whole series is going to be about me saying, you've got to work. <laughs> you, you've got to be determined. Because, see, you can't sit idly by and expect some of these things to come to pass in your life. Now, the grace of God is a gift. You don't have to do anything to deserve that. Jesus came into this world, died for your sins, and you can accept that if you want to. It's a gift. But if you're going to do some rebuilding, well, then you're going to have to put in some work. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And if you don't like work, then you're probably not going to like this series. If you don't like determination, you're definitely not going to like this series. But I just want to tell you, friend, that if you don't put in the work and you don't get determined... There are going to be some things that don't come to pass in your life. And I don't want to see that. As your pastor, I want to make sure that you have everything that God wants to bring into your life. Now, here, here I, I was looking at people who are determined. Do you know any people that are determined? Like they're just determined kind of people? I was, I was doing a little research on people in the past that were determined. You ever heard of this guy named Babe Ruth? Yeah, he was kind of a big deal in baseball. Uh, if you don't know that, uh, he set some home run records. You know that he also holds the record for strikeouts. He struck out a lot, but he had to be determined to be able to get that home run record. He had to recognize that he's going to strike out some matter of fact, a lot in order to reach that goal. And we see that through history. 
We see that with men and women throughout history. I don't know if you know this about, you ever heard of this guy named Walt Disney? He's kind of a big deal. Did you know he was fired from a newspaper because he wasn't creative enough? <laughs> Is that not funny? Oh, I think that's so funny. He went bankrupt multiple times before he ever built Disneyland. That guy had determination. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes don't you want to just lay down? Don't you just want to lick your wounds and say, you know what, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. As my mama used to say, can't, never could, do nothing, could he? <laughs> it's true. Elvis Presley, this true story. Elvis Presley in 1954 was at the Grand Old Opry. And the guy that was running the Grand Old Opry at the time, uh, what was his name? His name was Jim Denny. He said to Elvis Presley that you aren't going anywhere and you should probably go back to driving trucks. As he fired him from the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> He's probably kicking himself for that. And what if Elvis would have just went back to driving trucks? Thomas Edison, you heard of this guy? He's kind of a big deal. Light bulb. He did over 2,000 experiments to get the filament that he needed to be able to put in the light bulb. 2,000! That's crazy! That is a lot of experiments. And he said this, he said, I never failed once. I just had 2,000 steps to progress. <laughs> Isn't that good? I love that. Beethoven, at 46 years old, went deaf. 46 years old, went deaf. And he wrote some of his best work after that. He wrote five symphonies after he had went completely deaf. Determination, a commitment, some effort, even in the face of hard things. I don't know if you know this guy. His name's Jonas Salk. He, he actually brought into the world a vaccine, a vaccine for polio. And he had a similar response, kind of like Thomas Edison, because he had worked on over 200 unsuccessful vaccines. 200. And he had a similar comment like Thomas Edison said. He's like, that wasn't failure. It was just the thing that had to happen in order for him to get to the vaccine. He didn't see it as failure. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw it as progress moving towards the things that he was ultimately trying to move towards. See, that's what we need right now. We need some effort. We need some determination. We need to dig in a little bit and recognize that we serve a God that is more than able. And that we have a spirit living in us that has all the power that we need to accomplish whatever God has for us to accomplish. See, Jesus is a rebuilder. Jesus is the one that we can count on. And so, so, I don't know about you, but, but we have to get serious. we got to get some inner resolve and some determination to press on in the middle of difficulties and setbacks. And I tell you, um, I've felt in my life over the last few months, I've felt tired. Have you felt tired? Have you felt like sometimes you just wanted to quit? Just wanted to give up. You're just like, is this ever going to stop? Are we ever going to, you know, fill in, fill in the blank? I've felt that way before. I've even felt discouraged. You ever felt discouraged? Sometimes even a little depressed. I mean, if I'm honest, 
I don't think, as far as I know, I didn't need to be admitted. But some of us right now are living with just a low-grade depression. You know? You just feel this kind of low-grade depression. And see, here's the thing. God knows. He knows what you're going through. He hasn't left you or forsaken you. He has everything you need to be able to work through it. He gives you the power that you need. And so I just want to say to you, don't give up. Just don't give up. I'm saying that to myself. Don't give up. Keep walking. Keep moving. Keep, keep stepping towards the promises of God. When you want to lay down, just keep moving. Keep stepping. Keep one step of faith. And maybe that's all you can do in a day. But you're moving towards it. See, Nehemiah knew about this. He knew what it meant to not give up. He was tasked with a really difficult thing. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah is a book about a guy who said, you know what, not on my watch. It was a guy that was a man of faith that said, you know what, I see what's happening in this world. I see what's happening with the people of God, and I'm not okay with it. I see what's happening to the name of my God, and I'm not okay with it. And I'm going to do something about it. That's, that's Nehemiah. And I don't know if you know this story, but it's an amazing story. And it's actually not a very big book. And so I'd love for you just to read it. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably 12 chapters, I think. It's not that big of a, a, a read. But the thing that Nehemiah understood was that he had to do something about the situation. And what's crazy about it is he was ill-equipped to do it. <laughs> you ever felt ill-equipped? To do something, you feel ill-equipped right now. You're like, we're not even through this sermon. And you're like, Pastor, I don't want to do that. I feel ill-equipped. I get it. But Nehemiah felt ill-equipped. I don't know if you know this about Nehemiah, but he was a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer. So for the king, that, that's what he did. He was not an engineer. I don't know about you, but if I was hiring somebody to rebuild a wall, to do something, to rebuild something, I'm probably not hiring the cupbearer. Yeah. Now, if I was looking for some good wine, I'd hire the cupbearer. He probably knows exactly what good wine is. He probably can even taste poison. He can smell it. Because <sighs> you don't want to kill the king. But rebuild a wall? Why would anybody choose Nehemiah? To do that. And you know what I love about this story? There's this part of the story where Nehemiah finally makes a decision because he's so broken about what's happening to the people of God. Like he's just weeping over this. That he says, you know what, I've got to do something about it. And when I look at this story, sometimes I think about like, you know how like sometimes we'll say, you know, I don't feel called to that. You ever said that? Or I don't feel like that's my... Uh, calling. <laughs> Let me just say this. I think sometimes that's an excuse. I think sometimes that's an excuse. I think sometimes we say, you know, I'm not called. I, I'm not called to do that, pastor. <laughs> I, I sometimes call you. Come on. Hey, I'm not called to that. I don't feel the calling. 
God and I care about the people of God. And not just that, here's the other why behind what Nehemiah did. It was God's reputation was on the line. Because everybody had started to wonder, where's your God? You know, I mean, if you know the story, he brought them out of Egypt. He built this city. The people of God were living as a nation, a strong nation. And they began to squander the things of God and God had to deal with that. But now what's happening is as, as Jerusalem's walls lay in shambles, the reputation of God was on the line. And Nehemiah said, not on my watch. I'm going to do something about that. I'm not going to let the church go down. I'm not going to let this go down. I'm not going to let that thing happen. I'm going to step into it and I'm going to do exactly what God has called me to do. See, sometimes, I don't know, and I don't want you to feel bad for me. Don't, don't feel bad for me like I'm about to tell you something. But I think it's real. I don't know. Most people don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to be a pastor. Right? <laughs> I mean, some of you may, like you came out of the womb or something and you, you feel called to that. That, that. that wasn't my story. And if I would have known what I was getting into... I don't know if I would have stepped into it. And you're like, well, what are you saying? Well, I got to deal with all of you. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, that's kind of mean. Well, yeah, it is kind of mean. I'm sorry I said that out loud. But can you think about how difficult you are sometimes? And then can you exponentially uh, add that up? And recognize that for every life in this room and every life that's on there, it gets exponentially worse. <laughs> you guys are like, this is not the criticism you hear. Wasn't this? It was too loud. It's too cold in here. Some of you right now are thinking it. You're like, it's too cold in here. The criticism we face that we deal with. Oh, it's so bad. The chaos of the church sometimes is so hard to deal with because you know this about people. Hurt people hurt people. And the church is full of hurt people. And my, my goal in life is to move people from hurt to healed. Because if we can get them healed, healed people heal people. Do you see? And it's not easy because we got to work through it. we gotta, we got to go towards the mess. And sometimes I don't even know why I do this. Why do I do this? Why do I carry you guys around? <laughs> this is so good. This is cathartic for me. You guys are... <laughs> Some of you are like, I just, I can't stand this fella. <sighs> but you know why I do it? It's, it's because I care about God's people. I care about the mission of God more than anything more than even my own uh, ease of life. Yeah. I'm willing to walk into the fray of your life sometimes because of the why. Yeah. And so see why the why is important? Because it helps us focus. It helps us understand why we're doing what we're doing when things get hard. Do you know why you do what you do? Why do you show up to church? Just so you can hear a message and feel good about yourself? No. That's not why you show up to church. You show up to church because you believe in a God that's more than able. And if you'll grab hold of that, 
He'll do amazing works in your life. He will, I believe it. And that's my heart for us today is that we get the why. That we understand the why with Nehemiah. We understand the why in our own life. And that we really truly begin to live into this reality that we care about God's people. We care about God's mission in this world. And as a result, we're going to work hard to rebuild it. We're going to work hard to rebuild it. And so I want to tell you three things and then we'll be done. Three reasons why we rebuild three things. Three reasons why we rebuild three things. And the first is simply this. We rebuild people because people matter to God. Now this is where I get to a little bit of my vision talk. See, we, we rebuild people because people matter to God. Did you know that? Nehemiah knew that. And the reason he did what he did is because he cared about the people of God. And so he was willing to step into the fray. I don't know if you've ever heard this. You've probably seen it on a, at a baseball game. John 3.16, you know, the sign. Do you know what it says? It says, for this is how God loved the world. How did he love the world? He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What's the point? Is that God loves us. So much so that he was willing to send his son. And if God loves people, shouldn't we? Yes? We should love people the same way that God loves people. And you know what God does? He loves us when we're messy. He loves us when we're broken. He loves us when we're messing up. He loves us when we're hiding. He loves us when we're trying to keep it to ourselves and never tell anybody our problems. He loves us in the middle of all of that. And do you know what? He loves that way. And he expects us to love that way as well. That's, that's what we have to see. See, God loves people so much we have to be committed to rebuilding people because he is committed to rebuilding people. And we see that in his son who is the ultimate rebuilder. His son Jesus Christ came into this world to restore us back to God. He rebuilt our relationship with God and therefore we now have that same calling. See, we rebuild people. We help people. We walk towards it because of what God has done on our behalf. That's how we love Galatians 5.1, listen, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the, the yoke of slavery, is what the Bible says. Do you know what that means? That means that if you're not free, there's work to be done. You know what it means for other people? If they're not free, there's work to be done. And guess what, Christian? That's the work you're called to. You're called to move towards it. And see, I just want to say this to you at Elevation. At Elevation, something that we do and we will continue to do and always do is we walk towards the mess. We walk towards the mess. We walk towards the mess in people's lives. Why? Because all of us are messy. Come on. We all have messes. We all do, and some of us like to put on a face and be like, oh, it's all good, we're good, no problem, everything's good. You're a liar. <laughs> now, you may have a good day. You may even strung together a few good days. Maybe even feel like you got some momentum. 
But I guarantee you something's going to happen. You're going to get triggered because we all have triggers. And the freedom you enjoyed is going to go away. And that's when you need somebody moving towards your mess. That's, see? And this pandemic, man, it's given us all kinds of opportunities to walk towards people's messes. It has. What time am I supposed to be done? I know, you guys are like, he should know that. Okay. I didn't think I'd get through what I was going to say today. But I tell you, I had something stored up in my bones. There was something stored up in my bones. Like, it, it almost felt like I was angry. And it, 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 I, I wasn't angry, but it was, there was just something. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys to grab hold of. Is that this is what our God does. He rebuilds people because they matter to God. He walks towards the mess. I love that Jesus walks towards my mess. You know what I mean? Do you, do you love that? I mean, seriously, do you love the fact that you serve a God, a Savior, that's willing to walk in the middle of your mess and say, kid, you're messy, but I love you? I'll tell you this story. My son, who keeps saying amen, that's right, that's him right there. I love that kid. But when he was little, this is a true story. We came into his bedroom. He's going to hate this story. <laughs> that we came into his bedroom and he had taken his diaper off. You ever had a baby take their diaper off? And maybe they had something in the diaper? And I'm telling you, he put it everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere. And I remember hearing my wife scream. I, oh, I remember. She was like, Daniel! Oh, I was like, I'm not coming. I know what that sound is. Uh, and she's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? It's ever it's in the cracks of the of the of the you know of the the the, the what do they stay in cribs? <laughs> and she was like, you, I I'll clean it up, but you got to take him. And so I grabbed hold of this boy, and I held him out. You know, And, you know, he's just smiling, having a great old time. He's just having a great old time. And I, you know, I put him in the tub. I turn the water on and I start to wash him off because he was nasty. <laughs> it smelled awful. Starting to get it? But see, the thing is, we don't think our stuff stinks. But it does. And God has put people in your life to be willing to walk towards your mess. You may stink real bad right now. But this church is going to be about walking towards people's messes. This church is going to be about moving towards the stuff that God would move towards. This, see, that's what Jesus does for us. Oh, oh, God, thank you, Lord, that you're that kind of God. All right. I don't really have, I have plenty more to say. I'm not going to get to it. Um, 
I'll talk about it later. I'll talk about it later. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we do that. How we, like, what's the plan? Like, how do we do it? Because you're like, how do we do this? What's the practical side? We'll get to that. But I need you to grab hold of the why. I need you to feel it in your heart today. Like, I need it to grab hold of you as to why we do this, why we move towards it. Can you do that? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Because if you don't, you won't be able to fight it off. You won't be able to be determined enough to move through it if you don't get the why. When I make the phone call, you won't want to do it unless you grab hold of it, unless you grab hold of the why and determination. And, and, and I believe that we are not done as a church. I don't care what's going on in the world around us. But we're not done. We have a mission to fulfill. And we need the people of God excited about the mission of God. We need people excited about God's people and seeing people get saved and seeing people get baptized and set free. We need to be those people. It is not going to just show up. We have to give some effort. We got to show up. And we got to rebuild the things of God. That's what we are called to do. And so I hope you grab hold of that revelation today. And I hope God stirs you something fierce and deep so that you can walk into that with determination. And we may strike out a few times, but we're going to hit some home runs. Yes? Yes? All right. God, let's just begin to pray. Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for whatever you're doing in this room. Father, I thank you that some people in this room are really uncomfortable. Because comfort is the, the thing that keeps us from getting better sometimes. I just want to say this to some of you as we pray. Perhaps you feel tired. Perhaps you feel worn out, depressed, depleted. If there's anybody in here that has faith, will you join it with me? Join in faith with me right now as I pray this. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that anything, anything that's on your people today that's not of you is coming off of them right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our rebuilder, our healer, in the name of Jesus, it's coming off of you right now. Depression has to go in Jesus' name. Fear has to go in Jesus' name. Inadequacy has to go in Jesus' name. Insecurity has to go in Jesus' name. Come on. You speak to the Lord right now. Tell him what's holding you back. Tell him. It has to go in Jesus' name. Just tell him. It's got to go in Jesus' name.
Unforgiveness has to go in Jesus' name. Bitterness has to go in Jesus' name. Anger has to go in Jesus' name. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over your people today. We ask for healing in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, God. If you needed that today, just say, God, I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Because you may not see it, but he's working. you got to grab hold of it by faith and believe you're healed. I know that there's some people in this room that maybe you even came for a baptism and you don't even believe in God at this point. You just wanted to be with your family. I know that there's people online. and I don't know what your story is, but I know this, that we serve a God that loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And the Bible says if you'll reach for it and grab hold of it, he'll save you and he will rebuild your life. And so if you're here today, and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. That those people in the tub professed. I want to pray for you. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that it's real and it's true. That he'll come in and he'll save you. And you'll spend eternity with him forever. And so right now I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. If this is you, if you would like to receive this, if this is you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Church, no one's praying alone. We're all going to pray together here. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? I choose this day to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Can we celebrate, people? It's so good.